Hello and welcome to a new series of Livewire entitled Kingdom Patterns. I'm going to start straight away by reading a passage of scripture that happened to the parents of Jesus and I wonder if you can relate to this at all. Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day. When they began looking for him among their relatives and friends, they could not find him, and they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. So this series is about finding God's direction and knowing what our next step might be. Uh, the problem is that I, I think this is a good metaphor, this passage of scripture, uh, for, for many of us who sometimes lose a little bit of direction. We're looking for God's direction and the first thing we do is look amongst our friends and family. Uh, so what I mean by that is sometimes, for instance, I will uh, ask people, um, would you consider doing this? Do you feel God's leading you into this? And they say, yes, I'll go and pray about it. But actually, the first thing they do is they go and consult their friends and families. And by the time they talk to Jesus, by the time they talk to the Lord, their mind is no longer virgin territory. Um, they've got everybody else's opinions uh, percolating in their head. And what I've noticed is uh, more recently, there seems to be Christians who are just kind of directionless, don't have a strong sense of God leading them, kind of felt God was in this part of their life and maybe in this part of their life, but just kind of feel a little bit lost, if you like. And the reason I created this series and the book on Kingdom Patterns was to help people really find direction and know that they can be in the will of the Father. Now, uh, one thing I've noticed is that when the Bible says this, it says that we're made in the image of God, that often we don't understand why. You were made in the image of God so that those who don't know God can imagine him. But the problem is, if you're directionless, if you're lost, if you seem to be wandering all over the place, how does that reflect on the Father? How does that reflect on the Holy Spirit's ability to lead and guide his children? I believe God has plans for us and there's a process for us to understand and follow. And this series is about discovering those processes and knowing our next step. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So the original word there for plans comes from this kind of artistic word, meaning to weave. I'm going to show you a picture of the Bayon Tapestry right now. When you look at the front of that Bayon Tapestry, it tells a story. This tapestry tells a story of a war in English history. And uh, you, you can walk along this tapestry, it's quite long, and you can, you can understand what happened. It kind of helps you understand the story. But if you look behind the tapestry, all you'll see is a lot of threads, a lot of loose threads. And there'll be some kind of picture, but it's very, very kind of murky. It's very, very blurry. 
Um, it seems to me that when we make choices, God takes our choices and weaves them together to make the best story he possibly can. The problem is that we're on the backside of the story. We can't see the full picture. We just see this blurry sense of what God is doing. And if we got, give God small threads, if we're constantly changing our choices, if we're not sure really where we're going, he will do the best he can do with those thin, short, weak choices. But if we can make better choices, if we can have an understanding of the process that God has us on, and we can give him choices based on that, I believe he can weave together a much better story in our lives. A story that will show a great picture of how God can lead one of his children. So in the book uh, Kingdom Patterns, I talk about this idea of uh, the line, which represents the rules of God. Um, you know, one end are the things we want to avoid so we don't get uh, punished. The other end are things we want to aspire to so we get a reward. Above the line is the cloud, the presence of God. We're, we're stretching for the presence of God to, to know his presence, to know his direction. But vision is like a seed, a seed planted underground. Uh, if you hold a seed, it, it, it doesn't smell like the flower or taste like the plant or look like them, but it's got everything within it to become that plant. And so is that vision. God has given you a vision. And one of the mistakes we make is we try to turn the seed into the full vision too quickly. One of the biggest mistakes we make when we come to finding God's direction is we hear God say something to us and we immediately attach that to the nearest thing that we know that might look like that. I remember somebody once saying to me, hey, I believe God's called me to a particular organization. And I said, oh, how do you know that? And they said, well, God's told me that I'm going to heal and uh, I'm going to heal in Africa. And therefore, I know this organization does kind of like medical missions in Africa. So clearly God's calling me to that. Well, that's a big step. And sometimes we rush through the process too soon. And I think that's where we end up being a little bit lost. So let's look at our first workshop. So as you look at this uh, photograph of a greenhouse, I want to talk about the greenhouse effect. So as I say, a vision starts as a small seed and uh, most seeds need a lot of nurture and they need the right environment. So I'd like you to meditate on this picture and ask yourself a few questions. Firstly, what does a vision require in its early stages? Secondly, what does it need to be protected from? And thirdly, what additional support does it need? So I'd like you to spend maybe 10 minutes just um, thinking through those questions, meditating on them, and then just discussing your thoughts and maybe anything else that's come to your mind during this first section of Livewire. And we'll speak soon. Okay, so we're pilgrims uh, and a pilgrim is somebody who's on a journey, on a destination, usually a religious journey. Uh, which makes me think of this map. This is an ancient map uh, that was given to uh, early pilgrims in the medieval ages. And as you look at this map, you'll see that people saw Jerusalem almost as the center of the world. And I think actually this map acts as a good metaphor for why many of us struggle with finding direction. I think it's because a lot of us ask the wrong kind of questions. For instance, where should I go? Or, what should I do? Or, what, what have you called me? What kind of ministry have you called me to? 
I think there's a better question. And the better question can be found in the story of the first pilgrim. In Genesis, God calls Abram. And in chapter 17, verse 5, it says this. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I've made you a father of many nations. So what God did was he took an initial from the divine name Yahweh, added it to Abram, making his name Abraham. In other words, the journey that Abraham was about to go on, the purpose of that journey was to bind him to God's purposes. The purpose of the journey was not that he would have a certain ministry or go to a certain place. Ultimately, the reason God gives us vision is so we go on a journey and what happens is that his dream, his thoughts, his ways become our ways. That we're attached to his dream rather than simply hoping he's going to bless ours. Nehemiah says something interesting about Abraham. Finding his heart true to you, you made a covenant with him. In other words, a partnership was created between Abraham and God. A partnership not to see Abraham's dream come true, but a partnership to see God's dream come true. Wouldn't you love to know that you're partnered with God on a mission, that he's with you, his hand is upon you, and you can sense it very clearly and very closely because you know you've entered into this covenant with him to pursue his purposes. That's what the pur purpose of vision is for. And yeah, there may be times where we're not always sure why things happened, but we can get to that place where we know we're in his process, where we're in his plan, and we don't have to doubt that. So how does that happen? Well, let's look at our second workshop. I believe the better question we can ask is, Lord, what is the most effective thing I can do for your kingdom? Now, the interesting thing about that question is, it's a question of the Lord, but often we can know the answer already. There are times when I didn't really need to pray about an opportunity. I already knew whether it be the most effective for God's kingdom or not. There have been times when people have offered me jobs or opportunities or positioned. And to be honest, I've not even prayed about them because I know what I'm doing now is more effective than that. But, but do, you, do, do you often measure how effective you are? W would you know what is the most effective thing for the kingdom of God? I think it's a difficult question to answer sometimes. Often it's a question we need God's help for. But in this next workshop, uh, we can begin to think what that may look like at least. I'd like you to fill in the chart on your worksheet from a personal standpoint. As you can see, there's a vertical line that says effectiveness and there's a horizontal line that says time. I'd like you to plot times in your life when you serve God in specific ways and decide where you would place them in regards to how effective you were for the kingdom of God. So as you look at this chart, go from left to right as far as time uh, and obviously up and down as far as effectiveness. Go back and think, well, the first thing I really started to, the first way I started to serve the Lord was in this way. And just think, how effective was that on a scale of zero to 10? And as you go through your life, begin to plot 
those different places. Then ask these two questions once you've done that. Do you notice any common themes or patterns? And how often do you measure the effectiveness of what you do? So take a little bit of time just uh, looking at that chart, seeing if you can see any patterns or principles. I think this is a neat little exercise to help us eventually get more astute at asking the question or answering the question, Lord, what is the most effective thing I can do for your kingdom? So spend a few minutes on that and then we'll look at our third and final part of this episode of Livewire. I've been discipling people now for almost 30 years and it's amazing how many times they've been sharing their story with me and I've suddenly thought to myself, I know what happens next. And I don't mean in some kind of crystal ball, mysterious way, just that I've noticed patterns. And when people tell me things, I kind of know what's probably gonna happen next. And I think it's because of this passage of scripture. Romans 12 tells us, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual acts of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So there's a promise there that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will for you is if you allow your mind to be transformed and you begin to recognise his patterns. Now, what does a pattern mean? What does it mean to say, uh, I have a pattern? The dictionary definition is something designed or used as a model for making things. So the Bible's saying that our, our mind can be renewed, transformed, and can begin to be put into a pattern where we can test and approve God's will. Now, what's interesting is that for years and years and years, for centuries, Scientists have told us it's impossible for our minds to be renewed once we become adults. They would say, once your mind is set as a child, that's it. And yet the Bible said for 2,000 years, no, actually, even as an adult, your mind can be transformed. So who's right? Well, let's look at the brain. Your reoccurring patterns are created by connections or synapses in your brain. I don't know if you've ever wondered who's got the biggest brain in the room, but it's actually a three-year-old child. Let me explain what I mean by that and how that works. So again, as we look at this picture of the brain, just think about these facts for a moment. The brain is odd because it appears to grow backwards. It gets really big really quickly and then shrinks back into adulthood. 42 days after you are born, you create your first neuron or brain cell. 120 days later, and you have 100 billion of them. 60 days before your birth, your brain cells reach out to each other and make a connection, what's called a synapse. And this is where brain cells begin to connect with each other. They literally reach out to each other on a strand called an axon. A successful connection is called a synapse. At three years old, you have 15,000 connections for every one of your 100 billion neurons. 
So imagine that, the complexity of your brain, these, these strands reaching out and connecting brain cells, and these brain cells literally create physical pathways of thought. Then your body prompts you to ignore many of them. Like all strands that are ignored, they fall into disrepair, and therefore at the age of 16, half your network is gone. After three years old, your body and your brain begin to reject some of those pathways and they fall into disrepair. So what happens is as a child, you begin to think a certain way and the more you think that certain way, the more those connections are strengthened. It's a bit like my two arms. If I, if I use this arm for weight training, but I don't use this arm, this muscle will grow and this muscle will be get weaker and weaker and weaker. And then naturally when I go to pick something up, I'm gonna use this left arm. The same way when information comes into your brain through your ears or your eyes or your sense of smell, suddenly you think a certain way. In fact, the more you think a certain way, the more you will think that certain way. So as we grow older, we're, we're kind of set in our ways. So is there any hope for us? Because science, it seems to say, says that there isn't. Once we think a certain way, that's it. And therefore, Romans 12 is clearly wrong. So is it? So the question becomes, can a pilgrim change their patterns? Well, the answer is yes. And it's found in a different passage of scripture. It's found in Philippians. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. So, and I think this is key for being the kind of Christian who has a strength of relationship with God, where you understand where God is leading you and you can walk um, assured that you're in partnership with him. In this passage, it uses the word pattern, and the word there is tupos in Greek. Tupos is a very interesting word. To explain, let me use this piece of cardboard. This is an idea I had for explaining this to people. This cardboard has creases. At some point, it's been bent several times, and it's created creases. If I drop some water in here, the water will go along these creases just naturally. Now imagine this is like your brain and these roots are the ways you think. They're the pathways of thought that exist within your brain. The problem is that you get to a certain age and these roots are created, but what if these roots are not the way God thinks? What if these are more worldly ways of thinking or something to do with your background or your DNA, but they're not the way that God thinks? The Bible says we need something called tupos. Tupos can change that. So what is tupos? Tupos is a scar or shape or model created by repeated blows. So if I was to keep doing this for a period of time, then what would happen is a new root would appear and eventually that root would outweigh all the other roots as well. So what you would get is a root that maybe goes a different kind of root that's stronger than the roots that are already there. And this root is created by tupos, a repeated blow. So you adopt a different way of thinking and the more you think that way, the more you submit your thoughts to 
um, God, as unnatural as it is, as much as it may go against all your feelings and experiences, after a while, this new way of thinking becomes natural. And after a while, when new information comes in your brain, you think this way instead of this way. And at that point, you will begin to be able to test and understand what God's will is for you. Now, of course, we have the Holy Spirit that plays into this. The Holy Spirit can speak to us through people. The Holy Spirit can speak to us through his word. But even when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, if you can't think the way God thinks, you'll struggle understanding and accepting that information and applying it to your life. So let's look at our final workshop. So here's the exciting news if you are a Bible-believing Christian. The Bible has said for 2,000 years that your mind can be renewed as an adult. Science has said for 2,000 years, or maybe not that long, but for a long time, it said, no, once you think a certain way, that's it. A leopard can't change its spots, and therefore a pilgrim can't change their pattern. However, here's the great news. Just over a decade or so, they discovered neuroplasticity, which basically means that actually scientists have realized, oh, wow, yes, your brain can be renewed. It can change its thinking patterns. This is a new science that's been discovered, but it's confirmed what the Bible said all along. So I'm going to show you a video about this. It's very simple. It'll summarize what I've just talked about and I'm going to ask you to watch this video and then discuss these two final questions. What new pattern of thought can I practice in order to think differently? And how would I do that? So I'd ask you to watch this video and ask those two questions. And then in the following live wise, we're going to look at kingdom patterns, ways in which God provides that tupos in our life to build our faith and our calling and our relationships and to generally show us our next step. Enjoy the video. I hope it makes sense and I'll speak to you next time. Not so long ago, many scientists believed that the brain did not change after childhood, that it was hardwired and fixed by the time we became adults. But recent advances in only the last decade now tell us that this is simply not true. The brain can and does change throughout our lives. It is adaptable, like plastic. Hence, neuroscientists call this neuroplasticity. How does neuroplasticity work? If you think of your brain as a dynamic, connected power grid, there are billions of pathways or roads lighting up every time you think, feel, or do something. Some of these roads are well-traveled. These are our habits, our established ways of thinking, feeling, and doing. Every time we think in a certain way, practice a particular task, or feel a specific emotion, we strengthen this road. It becomes easier for our brains to travel this pathway. Say we think about something differently, learn a new task, or choose a different emotion. We start carving out a new road. If we keep traveling that road, our brains begin to use this pathway more and this new way of thinking, feeling or doing becomes second nature. The old pathway gets used less and less and weakens. This process of rewiring your brain by forming new connections and weakening old ones is neuroplasticity in action. The good news is that we all have the ability to learn and change by rewiring our brains. 
If you have ever changed a bad habit or thought about something differently, you have carved a new pathway in your brain and experienced neuroplasticity firsthand. With repeated and directed attention towards your desired change, you can rewire your brain.